The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Three great words. Free Fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Bell one time on Fridays at participating McDonald's through 123124. Excludes tax must update rewards. Hello, Internet. Roto World's Josh Norris here once again with the Roto World Football Podcast. This is the first of two podcasts for this week. Um, later on in the week, it's with Evan Silva. We'll talk about tight ends and probably a few other skill position players. We will not have those discussions beforehand, so you get our you know firsthand account and first discussion um, of those prospects. Um, we've done a few of those in the past few weeks, and it's always a good time. I will say this. Our rates and reviews on iTunes and Stitcher have gone cold. Uh, Evan is very disappointed in all of you. So, if you want to make him, you know, happy, smile. He doesn't do it often, but you know what does allow him to do that is rating and reviewing the podcast on those platforms. And he'll probably give you a compliment if you do. Um, and subscribe. Subscribing really does help us. And again, we really appreciate the support after the season. It's been fun to do all these. Um, and today is going to be a fun one. Particularly because we have the senior fantasy analyst and Roto World contributor at times, Mr. Graham Barfield. Graham, I don't care about that fantasy stuff. All I'm here for is your running back takes because we're going to run through about seven prospects in 40 minutes. How does that sound to you? Sounds good, man. I'm flattered to be on the show. I've been listening to you for quite some time, uh, way before you did what process the process. I'm oh, man. To- yeah, that's, I've been a, yeah, long a time listener, man. So this is kind of like a bucket list <laughs> thing for me. It's pretty cool to talk football with you and specifically running back. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Um, yeah, this will be fun. And this is obviously – and you, you did the same um, charting and grading and everything that you do mm-hmm. starting with last year's class, right? Yeah, so I started Yards Created um, basically in – I want to say March of last year. So I did the full 2016 draft class. And this year, obviously, I'm um, full-time now with FantasyGuru.com, so I have someone's paying me, I guess, now to do this. That uh, always helps. Yeah, it definitely helps to do it full-time. So I'm going to get all the, the data and uh, you know all the articles out earlier now, so I'm, I'm going to have the full class here done here pretty soon. But yeah, I'm really excited to kind of talk about what I think is like the top six or seven, I want to say. I just yep. kind of started arbitrarily charting these guys, just like with no random, just completely random order, but it'll be fun. Um. Can I just, as a broader question, start with this? Sure. sure. What are you hoping to achieve with these numbers or formulas or results, I guess is the better term, that you get from all of this rather than, you know, we could watch them or look at the box score and look at the athleticism and combine that all for, I guess, a, a simple evaluation? Right. So yards created is kind of my attempt to not necessarily separate what happens between the offensive line and the running back, because there is a distinct marriage between offensive lines and running backs, clearly. 
Um, but it's kind of, it's more so to, to kind of see what happens um, after the offensive line has or has not done their job. And what I mean by that is, yeah, yeah, what I mean by that is each running back obviously is accustomed to different schemes. They run out of different sets, all that great stuff. But I just basically just wanted to know um, when I first started doing this, whatever it was, 20 months ago, that just what happens after the offensive line does their job. And it, it kind of has morphed itself into a little – a little more than that, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but just for a simple goal perspective, that's kind of my main goal for Yards Grid, is just just to find out and go a little bit deeper beyond the box score, go a little bit deeper beyond just watching these guys and just yep. putting actionable data together from the film. Yeah, anyone who ever listens to this podcast knows that I use the same line whenever I'm talking about running backs and it's like good running backs pick up the yards that are blocked for them and great ones create on their own. And mm-hmm. and you don't just like look at it simply of, well, he created this many yards. You kind of look at how he did it as well. And there's a couple different right. classifications of that, and we'll get into all of that. I'm sure. Right. Um, sure. One more kind of generic question. Since you did last year's class, I know you've really completed seven running backs in this class. How do the two compare? Man, this class is so much better. Like I, I I'll be honest, I'm still kind of I still kind of feel like I am a newbie when it comes to this kind of stuff uh, in terms of just like prospect evaluation. Like you have to do everything, you know, you got to do every position. Whereas I just stick to running backs and um, comparing the two, they really kind of don't compare. Honestly, wow. like I have the data in front of me, and I think uh, eight or excuse me, now nine. Yeah, seven of the top nine running backs on a yards created per attempt basis come from the 2017 class. Um, and I'm not even close wow. to being done with the 2017 class yet. So uh, I'm about halfway done, and I can already tell you that it's like uh, just like leaps and bounds better. And the situations might not be the same, but I mean, that was a running back class that gave us Ezekiel Elliott right. and Jordan Howard, you know, yeah, two of yeah, the top definitely. running backs in the league, arguably, last year. Um, Absolutely. One, certainly. So, yeah, I mean, it should be a really fun class, and let's dive right into it. I mean, I guess the, the, the place to start is Leonard Fournette. Um, mm. I read your stuff on fantasyguru.com on him. Um, I won't, you know, read that word for word, but I, I, I want you to um, kind of expand and take the biggest points that you, you think are part of Fournette's evaluation. Obviously, Evan and I have already discussed him in that he's a divisive prospect, right? People are going to be split on him because – of of expectations honestly and, and and that's what it is because he's been you know in the national spotlight for for so many years um i'm a big fan of his game um i think he offers power um along with big playability but mm. g- give me your take what do you what do you think about it well I, i'm a big fan too and i i this year my goal is to kind of keep it simple i last year one of my misses was on actually jordan howard and i felt like i just didn't keep it simple i just like got too um, deep into the woods on things that he couldn't do well and didn't really focus on the broader things that he did um, either average or well above average. And I'm keeping it simple with Leonard Fournette. He's frankly just a really excellent prospect. I mean, among qualifying running backs in my database, uh, Fournette created the third most yards per attempt. And he did all of this, obviously, on an injured ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure to what extent Fournette's uh, ankle injury kind of uh, hampered him last year. I know he dealt and with And this is August, just the 2016 then, season you're talking about. Correct, correct. Yeah, I didn't go back and, and watch any of his 2015 season. And for what it's worth, I think Fournette has uh, almost 100 carries. Yeah, 99 carries in his sample. So that's an above average sample size. Um, so he did so, you know, with, with on a bum ankle. And he did so also 
while facing eight or more defenders in the box on 67% of his runs. And this is a new thing that I started doing uh, with Yards Created is charting um, defensive fronts. And just for for kind of for some perspective on that 67% number um, that Fournette faced, uh, the the sample average right now, and I know I'm really, really new to this. Uh, All this data is kind of new to me, but... Um, the average running back faces eight or more defenders in the box on 31% of his carries. And Fournette basically wow. doubled that. Wow. Um, so for him to not only play with a bum ankle and also face a ton of you know pressure, uh, I'll call it pressure from you know stacked boxes, uh, Fournette really is pretty fantastic. Um, I will say, though, Josh, uh, the only kind of glaring negative in Fournette's game, which was actually one of uh, Jordan Howard's negatives last year, too. You're going to say big plays, last. aren't you? Right, no, well, yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, but Fournette is, is dead last in missed tackles forced per attempt. Okay. Um, I'm willing I, – I, I don't – again, I don't know how much that ankle injury hurt him, um, but I'm kind of willing to kind of give him an asterisk there just because he was playing hurt and that can obviously, you know, ankle or foot injuries can can linger and, and, and hamper any running back's elusiveness. So from a broad perspective, yeah, I'm I'm definitely on hashtag Team Fournette. I, I get that he's a divisive prospect, um, kind of like Derrick Henry was last year. A lot of so different opinions. Can, on Can I ask this? Because oh. some might be confused by what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, you said he's dead last in creating missed tackles, mm-hmm. but what top three in creating yards correct so i get how that can be a little bit confusing and and here is basically kind of why i i i don't just necessarily just tart chart excuse me miss tackles um just just plain old miss tackles i i I break it down into three different um kind of categories i i chart miss tackles by power by elusiveness and by speed and based on his just elusiveness you know his cutting juke ability spins you know whatever you want to call it in kind of more in space attempts he's actually third worst on missed tackles uh, and for and create and forcing missed tackles by elusiveness but his Mm -hmm. you know his power and his speed metrics are basically um in in line with the the sample averages over the last two years so in terms of elusiveness you know cutting kind of juking i guess you could call it like hip movement yeah um he is below average but everywhere else is um you know, but about what you would expect. I'm not trying to throw more work at you, but I'll <laughs> say this, that the, the, the foundation of my evaluation is mm-hmm. off his 2015 stuff. Okay. Um, and again, not trying to throw more work at you, but <laughs> if, if at some point you do get to a point where you have some time, um, yes. I think comparing 2015 to 2016, even just two totally separate prospects would be mm. fascinating from a narrative standpoint throughout this draft class because yep. that I think that's a, a a big part of where the discussion and and the frustration comes up with this game is the mm. 2016 versus 2015, um, yeah because I mean and and who knows really how hurt he was right but uh-huh. it, I, I remember blurbing it and it really has been an ankle injury and some other things throughout the entire year, um, right. well, and, and again and, who uh, who knows how much that impacted him or if he just played worse or if just LSU was worse or whatever. Yeah, I will say, though, I mean, like, if that is his bad, you know, like, if he has It's his bad, bad, right? I'm telling you, it's his bad. Yeah, (laughs) I'm really pretty, like, there's a lot of good things to take away if that's his bad streak. I mean, the guy guy created almost 11, or excuse me, over 11 yards per rush attempt on toss plays. And LSU, like, that's kind of their foundation piece is the power. Quick toss, yeah. 
you know, quick toss power. And it's really, I mean, they, they do an excellent job at it. And Fournette just, he smashed at it. So, um, uh, do you think it's fair that people designate him as a power back? Um, because I, I, I make the argument all the time when discussing him that he also mm-hmm. has big play upside because of that straight line speed. Well, yeah, his, that, that's the thing. I mean, his straight line speed and not only I think his just start stop burst yeah. is that that's what's going to get him drafted in the top 15, um, in my opinion, is just his sheer athleticism. Like he's just with the ball in his hands going downhill. He just punishes people. Um, he punishes second level defenders, first level defenders. I mean, there's times where he, he, he you know, playing again, I'm, I watched him in 2016 playing with a hurt ankle. Um, I mean, he's dragging 290 pound defensive lineman on it on his back. I mean, he's just the guy's just a total freak. Um, I, you know, for as for the power thing, Fournette is number one in my database on yards created per attempt with the quarterback under center, um, which is fantastic. I mean, that 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 charts, um, you know, uh, runs with a fullback in front of him in high formation or, you know, in in 12 personnel with two tight ends, whatever. Um, but he's second from last out of the shotgun on a yards created per attempt basis. Interesting. Now, yeah, it's kind of a small sample, Josh. Um, I think only, you know, he had about 86% of his carries came from under center. He's no, primarily... But, 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 a, but for someone who watches right. the Panthers every Sunday, um, <laughs> you know, they run most of their plays out of shotgun, right? Mm-hmm. And And so that is interesting to me. Um, mm-hmm. That hit, that might not fit his success as much. I know uh, Justice Mosqueda just tweeted about this this weekend that, you know, Todd Gurley and Jared Goff, it's not just under center and shotgun, but their offenses might succeed separately, right? Right. And, and well, so maybe Fournette could land in a similar situation as that where, like, you, like you're saying, and you're saying it's a small sample, which is perfectly fine, but um, that under center with a quarterback – um, it's that, that, that's where he's better from, at least from what it, you're saying. He's like, like it's lights out when yeah. he's under center and he's got either eye formation or they got twin tight ends. He's just completely lights out. And I guess I would say, um, you know, he's in the sense that people compare him to Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson kind of struggles out of shotgun. That's been yeah. one of the biggest knocks on Peterson, uh, DeMarco Murray too. DeMarco Murray went to Philadelphia with Chip Kelly and really struggled out of a shotgun and they got back to more power. He got back to DeMarco Murray did. He got more back to more power in Tennessee. And, you know, we all know how that happened this past year. Um, so it is an interesting data point And I, I wish I had more of a sample on his shotgun carries. And maybe I will go back to 2015 just, just for my uh, yeah. kicks and giggles. Um, okay. Well, that was 10 minutes on Leonard Fournette. Let's <laughs> then move on to the running back who uh, many are listing as number one or number two next to Fournette. And that's Dalvin Cook. Uh, you talk about big plays once again. I mean, Dalvin Cook is awesome, um, yeah. at least in my opinion. So now it's it's time for you to give your opinion and what what your results have been. Oh my God, this this guy he's so good, Josh. He's pretty good, man. Uh, <laughs> man, you know I I sat back and just like I, I I remember watching Ezekiel Elliott last year and comparing him to the class and just being like, wow, this guy like there's just no comparison. And the data bore that out. And I know Dalvin Cook's data is is kind of you know now mashed into um, a really good class but he's just he's fantastic I mean he's the second best running back in my database on a per attempt basis on off tackle runs and I'm going to go ahead and say he's the best because this doesn't take into account Christian McCaffrey okay Uh, he's number one yeah Christian McCaffrey is number one in my in my database on yards created uh, on outside that's off tackle rushes and McCaffrey barely ran off tackle Uh, Dalvin Cook uh ran a higher percentage of his attempts were off tackle. And he's also the best running back in my database 
on runs out of the shotgun, um, which is like, obviously, we just spent 10 minutes talking about Leonard Fournette. It's the right. complete opposite of him. Um, he's super elusive, Josh. He's the second most elusive back, um, only to Joe Mixon on a missed tackle per attempt basis. I'm sure we'll talk about Mixon here in a moment. But uh, everything about Cook's game screams that he's an elite prospect. I, I will say the only thing that kind of gives me pause is he's an extreme – there's a lot of variance between his uh, yards created per attempt in the shot from, from the shotgun to under center. He's actually a little bit below average um, on a yards created per attempt basis running under center. Um, but I, I'm kind of hesitant with that number. I need to mm-hmm. kind of frank, I, need, I frankly need to dig more, dig more into it because Cook faced eight or more defenders on 42 percent of his runs, which is still high. Uh, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's well above. Average and we should we should I'm, state that that typically right. there are seven man boxes that these guys yes. face. Yeah, yeah. It's actually 70 percent of college running backs face seven or fewer in the box. Yeah. It's about 70 percent. of the Yeah, time, well, I'm so sure we'll get to Foreman right. in a little bit and that that'll be a much yeah. lower percentage for him. Significantly, yeah. <laughs> um, Significantly. So, so you mentioned for Dalvin Cook that he he mm-hmm. does really well in outside runs. Yes. Um, since he is smaller than Leonard Fournette, some mm-hmm. might ask, how does he do, do in between the tackles? Uh, frankly, he's a little bit below average. Okay. So um, I have the full database in front of me here. He is um, he's cre- he created about 4.5 yards per attempt on inside zone runs, and that's a staple of Florida State's offense, by the way, inside and outside zone. Um, and that's just slightly below average. It's nothing um, to the point where it screams uh, that he's not great at it. But I'm, again, kind of willing to give him a pass because he's such a fantastic outside zone runner. Um, I, you know, I remember watching him and just thinking, like, if he gets to the corner, and this is against, like, Clemson, Michigan. If he gets to the corner Bye-bye. and he gets an edge and sets the angle, um, it, he's gone. Um, I mean, he's blowing past guys that are Miami you know, like that as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I've, I've noted, you know, just kind of in my notes that he is the best running back I think I've watched ever that in terms of just his elusiveness behind the line of scrimmage, not necessarily making defenders miss because he's really great at that as well. I mean, he's number one in the class, um, excuse me, number one in the database and missed tackles forced via speed alone per attempt. He's, hmm. he's very, very fast, um, but he sets defenders up with his eyes and with his feet better than anyone I've ever seen. I mean, just the subtle little cuts he makes with his feet yeah. and his eyes. It's just like how, everything is in sync with him. It's how, just, how's his power? Like how is he hmm? once there is contact? I, you know, I, I actually read, um, I've read scouting reports. I've read, you can read anything about, um, these there are scouting guys. reports online. Are you serious? Yeah. This I is mean, news. yeah, I've read scouting <laughs> reports where he's, like he, he lacks power. And I, I just, I don't necessarily, the data, do, let me, no, put you can way. disagree with that. I disagree with that. The, the data doesn't bear that out at all. Right. He, um, he has power. Like I, I that's what I always yes. say about Fournette, that Fournette isn't just a power guy and, for, and, yeah. and, and Cook's not just a big play guy. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I will say, I mean, Cook is slightly below average on missed tackles forced yeah. via power alone. That's, you know, running through arm tackles, running through defenders completely, slightly below average. But it's again, it's nothing to the point where you need to step back and say, you know, that this guy can't do this. I mean, he, he clearly can. I think the one thing um, I'm a big Devonta Freeman fan. And oh, yeah. Florida hey, State, that's yeah. why we're buddies, Graham. Yeah, why we're buddies. Yes, I love Devonta Freeman. Uh-huh. Um, he's really he was really good at that kind of one cut running style. Yep. 
um, where he's super, de- you know, de- super decisive, really great behind the line of scrimmage. And Cook is better, frankly, better than Freeman at that. Um, but but Freeman has a bigger lower half, um, is you know, in terms of just his muscle mass and his legs. So I can see that Cook is a little bit slighter. He's kind of more of like a track runner in that sense. Um, but I don't necessarily think he lacks power at all. Um, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey. You mentioned Joe Mixon. I want to table them for a little while. And I actually mm-hmm. want to throw in Alvin Kamara's name because more and more I am hearing that Alvin Kamara has legitimate round one potential. Like some might view him as the top running back in this class. Um, okay. To me, that's crazy. Crazy talk. Um, right. Where does he fit to you in terms of like, is, is, is that crazy for you to perceive that um, Alvin Kamara is a potential first round talent? Okay, so I, I tried to get it with Kamara, right? Like I, I really, I actually even went back, like I started watching Kamara um, three weeks ago and I went back and kind of refreshed my, my memory before I came on the show. And I'm trying to get it with Kamara, right? Like, I think he's been hyped up, and I think he's definitely a good player. I mean, he's he's above average in yards created per attempt, um, uh, just as a as a whole, uh, and he's really, frankly, pretty good on inside zone. But there's nothing really to his game that kind of steps out to me. Mm-hmm. And and again, like he only carried what was you know 115 times last year, and I only got 58 carries worth of a sample out of him. So I, I get that there's some small some you know some small sample bias here too. But he only faced. Um, so what, why is there a difference between how many carries he had and, and the carry sample that you got? Is it just from the games, the amount of games you watched? Yeah, just the games that I watched, okay. the games that are available. I have to, I'm, I'm a plebe, you know, I'm a plebe, and I have to watch this on draft breakdown. I yeah, you're not like Matt Harmon who sits in his oh castle and can get the oh all twenty two and yeah, all the plus get, peasants below us. Oh my god, yeah, that guy's got next gen stats and all that great it's stuff and field speed. It's such a joke. I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here charting <laughs> play by play, just squinting, hoping to get like an all twenty two view of one of one play I really want to watch. Okay, so no, but, so Kamara. Okay, getting back to Kamara here. Yeah, yeah, he faced seven or fewer defenders um, in the box on about 85% of his runs, which is um, you know pretty much well above average um, for all of the guys that I've, I've charted so far. He's also pretty below average in terms of missed tackles forced as a whole per attempt. Um, and, you know, the only real asset I think he, he, like in terms of just missed tackles that he really excels in is by speed. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's forced the second most missed tackles, um, by speed alone, only to Dalvin cook in the class. So there he's obviously the, the, the start stop burst and the power I, I think is kind of there. You know, he's obviously a very sudden athlete. Uh, that's the, the number one thing that I, that I kind of took away is a, is from a non data perspective is Kamara is very sudden in his movements. And I think a lot of, I think there will definitely be a team that, that, loves that suddenness and loves his pure athleticism. Um, I'm honestly really, really interested in his combine data. He's, he's yeah. probably the number one guy I want to see test out. Interesting. Um, so for me, and, and this isn't someone who we're going to talk to, but that's Jamal Williams out of BYU. I'm sure you'll get to him at some point in the process, but I'm really sure. interested in his athleticism. Um, so the discussion I've been having internally with myself is, and maybe I'm inferring, incorrectly from what you're saying but i mm-hmm. from my perspective and and i said this with evan i don't view kamara as like a primary piece um yeah. he's he's closer to in the spectrum to a secondary piece and so in that secondary piece discussion and if you disagree with me on this prospect let me know um christian mccaffrey 
I, I, I think I would much rather have Christian McCaffrey than Alvin Kamara on my roster. Yeah. Oh, well, that, yeah. I've seen that too, where, where people have come. I, I don't really pay, honestly, Josh, I don't really pay much attention to like um, rankings and all that, you know, all that stuff until. Yeah, no, seriously, until until we get a lot closer to the draft. Um, but yeah, it's McCaffrey and, and Kamara on different planets in terms of prospect. I mean, uh, Tennessee runs a lot of uh, smash mouth power, which basically they try to get Kamara in space or try to get their running backs kind of out more in space. Um, it's more gap principle than in Kamara. You know, he, he did well on those types of runs, um, but, you know, about 40, uh, just under 40 percent of his runs went outside, which is almost double the uh, sample average so they tried really hard to to get him in space and get you know really get him to where he excels and where he wins um i know you like that term yeah. uh, josh but but no they, they they really tried to get him out in space and get him um let him take advantage of his suddenness and his athleticism um but again i really really want to see how Kamar tests out um, because there is such a small sample on him so what what about mccaffrey we know that obviously I mean, if you watch any of Stanford's games, you know that they run an offense that's very different than typical college football right now. Um, yeah. Multiple tight end sets, sometimes three tight ends out there, sometimes yeah. multiple fullbacks. Um, a lot of the stuff is between the tackles. But then you have a runner who won't be perceived and already isn't by these anonymous scouts as a between the tackles runner, yet that's probably what the majority of where he ran the football during his collegiate career. Yeah, there we were going back and forth, I think, over this weekend um, about how multiple Stanford's offenses. And what I mean by that is, I mean, they did literally everything. I mean, every college team runs inside zone. Every team, uh, for the most part, runs outside zone. Every team runs a version of you know zone running, gap running, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they literally did everything. Stanford ran everything. I mean, they ran gap, man. I mean, they, they did a bunch of different things. And yeah, the, primarily McCaffrey ran inside zone. Um, he, uh, I think about, uh, I'm pulling it up here, 60% of his carries were um, on inside zone carries. And he was, you know, pretty much right in line with class average in terms of uh, yards created per attempt on inside zone. Um, I mentioned it kind of at the top. He was fantastic on outside zone carries. I mean, just like almost 12 yards created yeah. per attempt. On outside zone and it's he, crazy i i posted some of those clips uh this mm-hmm. past weekend and just like what he does to linebackers out in space yeah. or safeties out in space just like completely puts them in quicksand yeah yeah i mean his he's another one um who's a, a very sudden athlete and uh, like just watching mccaffrey and and dalvin cook and, and some of these guys kind of get to the outside and set the edge and set their angles um, I mean, it's just clear that, that they are just a step above um, some of the, the more, uh, I guess, mundane prospects that I, I get the pleasure of charting. Um, but it really shows with McCaffrey and guys, you know, guys like McCaffrey and Cook that are really great mm-hmm. outside zone runners. Um, I will say McCaffrey is well above average to enforcing missed tackles. That's um, not that surprising. But he's the third. I think I think it's the third most. No, no it's now. This, um, yeah, it's the third most. He's forced the third most missed tackles by elusiveness mm-hmm. um, in my database behind Joe Mixon and uh, Kareem Hunt. So he's for for my money, he is he's probably got the best patience out of anyone I've ever charted, um, both behind the line of scrimmage and just letting his you know his either his pulling guard or he's going off tackle, whatever it is, whatever the run calls for. He's very very good at setting up defenders um, behind the line of scrimmage and then 
um, you know, attacking or exploding off of that. Yeah, and they even did that like all the way to the sideline. I posted a few yeah. clips of, I don't know if it was it's a crazy, screen man. or, I mean, but but how <laughs> much he slows down and then just bursts off of that and just runs down the sideline and picks up, you know, 15, 20 yards when nothing else is there. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I want to get into the receiving aspects because I know you chart some of this with yes. McCaffrey and mm-hmm. Kamara because they're viewed like that. But I need to throw in Joe Mixon's name. Um, yeah. And again, anytime we talk about Joe Mixon, we have to say that right now we are keeping it on the field, right? And what he mm-hmm. did off the field is absolutely horrible. And he it was it, the main reason he was not invited to the NFL Combine. And each team will have to have their information and make a conclusion off of that. Uh, mm-hmm. We only have the information, obviously, that was uh, that we saw and what has been reported and everything like that. And obviously, it's horrible. Um, but on the field, mm-hmm. there are positives. There actually are. And it, it would be um, not unfair, but but we, we should talk about those positives. Um, so, so what do you like? And it seems like whenever you're listing these guys, that Mixon's name is kind of near the top of some of yeah. these results. All right, so uh, you know, with with that disclaimer out of the way, um, for my money, if Mixon didn't do what he did off the field in 2014, um, if the domestic violence weren't there, he'd be the number one running back in this class. He's really um, good. Yes, he is number one in yards created per attempt. He's also by far the best inside zone runner I've ever charted. Uh, he's not only number one in yards created per attempt and number one and yards created on inside zone carries. He's also number one in my database in both missed tackles forced per attempt and per opportunity. And Josh, just to boot, he's number one in receiving yards gained per route run. Man, and, guy, and, and he is so natural in that area. Y- yeah, and he's just got this smoothness about yeah. him. Like he's just so, like it's some just guy like in Pittsburgh he, a little bit at times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, um, I think we were also going back and forth over Twitter about um, – uh, McCaffrey and somebody came into our mentions and said there's some some uh, Le'Veon Bell to, yeah, to and McCaffrey I and I, I don't see it at all but Joe Mixon like is Le'Veon Bell like there there is a ton I'm not one for comps Josh I, I frankly I don't really like comparisons because I think people kind of make too many stretches with them but there is you mean, not you mean they compare stretches. people to like all pros and hall of famers yeah, too often yeah, it's just like, oh, Leonard Fournette is Bo Jackson. No, <laughs> no, not really. Um, Bo Jackson is like probably. But but Mix, but Mixon's role and where right. he wins is very similar to Le'Veon Bell at the NFL level. I'm not going to say at the college level because he was like 250 or whatever he was. Um, but but how he can you can see him doing similar things for an offense that Bell yeah. does with Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, I mean, right off the bat, too, I mean, I think Le'Veon Bell has the best feet and vision um, of any NFL running back right now. And Mixon, Mixon's data bores that out, too. I mean, he forced the most missed tackles by elusiveness. That's, you know, with a jump cut or a spin move, whatever you want to call it, um, by by far in my database. And he's also just, you know, smashed uh, in missed tackles in the receiving game, too. I I, honestly, Josh, I, I can't find hardly any. I can't find really any bad things to say about Mixon's on-field product. Hmm. Um, I just really, really hate what he did off the field. And I've really like, you know, I, I've had kind of, you know, inner battles with myself um, because I really didn't want to, wa- I, I didn't want to watch Joe Mixon. I, I didn't right. want to like Joe Mixon. Um, but I'll say it again. I mean, he is pretty easily, I think the most talented running back in this class. Does, does it bother based on my data. Does it bother you that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm guessing every single one of his runs was from shotgun. 
Um, you know what? Not really, because 100% of Ezekiel Elliott's runs came from shotgun at Ohio State. Okay. And um, I, I, I kind of get that. I get. I understand where you're coming from and where you know scouts or GMs or you know evaluators could come from with that. But I mean, Ezekiel Elliott just so easily transitioned from um, being purely a shotgun running back um, per my data. Uh, very easily into Dallas, and obviously this is you know not necessarily a one for one comparison between Zeke and Mixon, of course. Um, but yeah, m- there's there's way too many things to like about Mixon, his data and his game um, to focus on uh, a single yeah, to question. Focus on one, yeah, yeah, and, and the only reason I ask that is because it seems like the NFL in many ways wants things that they know for certain, and mm-hmm. so if they have to, I mean, but that that's something that we have to you know guess with a whole bunch of these, and that, that brings me to uh, Texas's Dante Foreman. Mm-hmm. Um, who I spent part of my weekend uh, defending my own opinions of because mm-hmm. I, and look, we all have expectations. We all have an understanding of who someone is. And I do from watching these guys on Saturday. And I don't know if this happens with you, but when I watch these prospects on Saturday and then later on in the process, really spotlight them and focus on them. Sometimes mm-hmm. my perception of them and my perception of their style can shift. And it kind of did with Foreman in that, to me, he's, what, a 6'1", 245-pound running back, maybe even bigger than that, who knows, or lighter. He might show up at the combine, um, who is an all-or-nothing player. Um, mm-hmm. He either goes down on first contact a bit too often for my liking for that size, or he takes advantage of an alley that was blocked for him and has really good straight-line speed for that size. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't mind me going on a bit of a monologue here, um, I I think that Texas's offense really allowed him to have that style of game because they use three, four wide receivers almost every single snap. And then that spreads out the defense, obviously. That's the goal. And has sometimes an advantageous mismatch in numbers for the offense versus the defense. And so, you know, if he makes one person miss, there's a bad angle, whatever, then he can use that straight line speed. Um, I've gotten heat for saying and showing that to me, he doesn't finish on final contact enough for my liking. Like I see Cook, like I see Fournette, like I see some other of these running backs, Zeke Elliott last year, Derrick Henry last year, right? And these are the guys mm-hmm. he's being compared to. Um, did you have that same takeaway when watching him? Well, I think... First and foremost, I can definitely see where you're coming from in terms of Texas's offensive makeup. Um, Foreman faced seven or fewer defenders in the box on 83% of his carries, which is you know well above average. We we established about 70%. Is that the highest? Carries. Not not to ask. No, uh, Kareem Hunt and Joe Mixon um, uh, faced fewer okay. uh, defenders in the box, uh, but it is definitely above average from what I have charted so far. Um, and on that same note, in terms of um, creating mismatches just from scheme, Texas was the third fastest pace uh, team in college football last year. They actually ran the fifth most plays per game and the third fastest team in terms of adjusted pace per for, uh, um, football outsider. So with all of that being said, uh, you know, Foreman obviously had a voluminous, voluminous season. Um, uh, 2,000 you know, plus yards. Yeah, 2,000 plus yards, all that great stuff. Um, he, you know, I charted about 130 carries on him and he you know came out above average in yards created per attempt and yards created on inside uh inside zone carries um i think where he um struggles is uh, kind of getting to the edge and getting to the outside um he's below average in terms of yards created per attempt on outside carries and i think maybe his weight um and his size kind of uh not necessarily hampers him but it it definitely is 
a uh, a negative in his game. He also is the, I, I believe, the least, um, excuse me, he forced the fewest amount of missed tackles by elusiveness. That's, you know, a jump cut. Right. Uh, which you, which move, you might expect. Which you might expect, right, from a 240-pound back. Uh, but obviously, I think I think where we're going to disagree, though, Josh, is I think his, his he runs with a little bit better power um, than I honestly than I expected going oh, into wow. it. Um, um, yeah, he's actually uh, I think the fourth. Uh, no, he's now the third. Um, he forced the third most missed tackles by power. That's either running through an arm tackle, running through a defender completely um, in my database. And he's actually right behind Derrick Henry, oddly enough, in that in that aspect. Um so I, I think in, I think Foreman, in terms of fit, um, it's going to take the right team for him. Just like, you know, I, I hate saying that as a as a kind of a filler, but it, truthfully, um, you could put Dalvin Cook anywhere. You could put I think Leonard Fournette anywhere, Christian McCaffrey almost anywhere, and these guys would do really well. Um, but for for and just in my opinion, I think Foreman might be the most scheme dependent of like the top five, six, seven, eight backs in this class. So and. I mean, the comparison everyone's using is LeGarrette Blunt, and we've seen mm-hmm. LeGarrette Blunt succeed in some situations, like he is or he has in the last few years with the Patriots and some before then. But we've also we've also seen him fail in some situations as well. So, in that comparison, from that standpoint, it might mm-hmm. make sense. And I'm interested to see what Foreman tests as well. Like if yeah. if he tests as a really good athlete, like Derrick Henry did. I mean, I, I was yeah. in on Derrick Henry before then, but then I'll be you know more interested, right? Um, right, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Henry posted like one of the best size-adjusted speed scores yeah, um, of the past 10 years. I mean, you guys are just a total freak. So I'm not expecting Foreman to do that for what it's worth, um, but he's another one just like Kamara that I'm really interested in seeing because I I, I struggled to see where – at times I, – I, I get what you're trying to say. I, I struggled to see where he was um, – where he excelled athletically. I, I, I hate like using that term, but it really was hard to see at times – um, how athletic he was compared to defenders on the field. Like, whereas Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette were just so clearly right, the most athletic players on the field. Kareem Hunt, to a certain extent. Well, too, let, let's let's finish with Kareem Hunt then. Sure, um, sure. This was my top senior running back before the Senior Bowl, my top senior back after the Senior Bowl. I mean, he flirted with the NFL, it seemed like, for two years in a row. Um, Kareem Hunt is awesome, and he's been productive, even with some suspensions along the way. Um, He's one of my top six running backs in this draft class. Um, and it seems like just, again, from his name popping up, that he fared quite well in some of these results as well. Definitely. He's just really like a solid all-around player. There's not one, there's really not one thing to, to dislike about his game. Kind of a lot like Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook in that sense. I mean, he, he's the third best running back in my database on inside carries. Um, despite Toledo having a really, really porous offensive line. I mean, one of the worst offensive lines I've ever charted. And again, I think that kind of just to come full circle on that. I mean, obviously Toledo isn't facing uh, very many great opponents, but Kareem Hunt was clearly the best player on the field by a mile against subpar competition like, you know, Ball State. Um, The one thing I guess I will say about his data and, you know, the third best uh, on inside zone carries is he, he faced... Seven or fewer defenders on 95% of his carries, which is the most wow. I've charted to date. That's um, quite a bit. I mean, he, he he faced some really, really light boxes, Josh. And 100% of his carries came from shotgun. So, you know, they, they got him, obviously, in very advantageous situations in terms of scheme. But he, you know, obviously exploited it as well um, against, you know, porous competitions. Um, I think I mentioned it when we were talking about Joe, Joe Mixon, but 
Hunt is only second to Mixon. Missed tackles uh, forced via elusiveness in my database, and he's uh, the fourth most. Uh, he forced the fourth most missed tackles per attempt just on a pure rush attempt basis. In my database, um, I, I love Kareem Hunt, Josh. I think if I had like one guy to pick, that's you know not necessarily a consensus top three, mm-hmm. top four running back in this class. Hunt would be kind of like air quotes my guy. I really, wa- I really want him to dominate in the combine. <laughs> it, it, it's fun, man. I mean, he he's he's a fun player, and he, I think he offers some in the passing game as well. Um, yeah, definitely. So it's 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 a fun process. Graham, this has been awesome, man. We yeah. we finished right here at almost exactly forty minutes. Um, everyone out there, you can check out Graham on Twitter that he referenced a few times. It's at Graham Barfield. Um, you can check out his work at fantasyguru.com. Um, I'm sure he's going to post a few more of these prospects. And like he said, he's going to get to double digits at some point. Graham, this has been awesome, man. Thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Josh. Um, yeah, it's been a great time. I'm really looking forward to the combine in a few weeks, and then we'll get the draft. So it's kind of moving right along this offseason. And for everyone else, you can expect another episode of this very podcast later in the week. With Evan Silva, we'll be talking tight ends. So if you're interested in that, and if your team might take one in the top three rounds, because there might be like five, six, seven of those going in that area. So anyways, remember to subscribe, rate, and review. It always helps us out. Until next time, I'll talk to you all soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Three great words. Free Fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Bottom up, up, up. Valid one time on Fridays at participating McDonald's through 12 31 Excludes tax, must opt in rewards.